Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the third Sunday of Easter. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. May your people exalt forever, O God, in renewed youthfulness of spirit, so that rejoicing now in the restored glory of our adoption, we may look forward in confident hope to the rejoicing of the day of resurrection. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Peter said to the people, You are Israelites, and it is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, who has glorified his servant Jesus, the same Jesus you handed over and then disowned in the presence of Pilate, after Pilate had decided to release him. It was you who accused the Holy One, the Just One, you who demanded the depraved of a murderer while you killed the Prince of Life. God, however, raised him from the dead, and to that fact, we are the witnesses. Now I know, brothers, that neither you nor the leaders had any idea what you were really doing. This was the way God carried out what he had foretold, when he had said through all his prophets that his Christ would suffer. Now you must repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, let your face shine on us. Lord, let your face shine on us. When I call, answer me, O God of justice. From anguish you released me. Have mercy and hear me. Lord, let your face shine on us. It is the Lord who grants favours to those whom he loves. The Lord hears me whenever I call him. Lord, let your face shine on us. What can bring us happiness, many say. Lift up the light of your face on us, O Lord. Lord, let your face shine on us. I will lie down in peace, and sleep comes at once. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Lord, let your face shine on us. A reading from the first letter of St. John. I'm writing this, my children, to stop you sinning. But if anyone should sin, we have our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who is just. He is the sacrifice that takes our sins away, and not only ours, but the whole world's. We can be sure that we know God only by keeping his commandments. Anyone who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, refusing to admit the truth. But when anyone does obey what he has said, God's love comes to perfection in him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Lord Jesus, make your word plain to us. Make our hearts burn with love when you speak. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The disciples told their story of what had happened on the road and how they had recognised Jesus at the breaking of bread. They were still talking about all this when Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. 
In a state of alarm and fright, they thought they were seeing a ghost, but he said, Why are you so agitated? And why are these doubts rising in your hearts? Look at my hands and feet. Yes, it is I indeed. Touch me and see for yourselves. A ghost has no flesh and bones as you can see I have. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. Their joy was so great that they still could not believe it, and they stood there dumbfounded. So he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they offered him a piece of grilled fish, which he took and ate before their eyes. Then he told them, This is what I meant when I said, while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets and in the Psalms, has to be fulfilled. He then opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, So you see how it is written that the Christ would suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that, in his name, repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to this. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So the Gospel that we've just heard uh, contains two important elements. Firstly, it tells us an historical fact, tells us something about Jesus who is truly risen. And in the second, it gives us a teaching, a lesson on how we too come to encounter the risen Lord. So the gospel today comes immediately after the story of the two disciples of the Lord who meet Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Now, you know, I'm sure we know the story. They're walking along the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus when Jesus comes and walks beside them. They don't recognize him, though. Uh, But this stranger to them starts to explain to them the meaning of the scriptures, to reveal to them the fact that the Messiah would suffer and die according to the prophets and that he would rise again on the third day. And then the disciples finally recognize Jesus at the breaking of the bread. And then he disappears from their sight. So anyway, the two disciples, they get up and they immediately hurry back to Jerusalem from Emmaus. And that's where we pick up the story now. Luke, he goes to a lot of effort to communicate the historical reality that Jesus of Nazareth, the one who was crucified, is risen. He's alive. The evangelist goes to great lengths to try to get rid of any ambiguity about the historical fact of Christ's resurrection. And it's interesting that, you know, like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, that the apostles, they struggle to recognize the Lord present in their midst. We hear that uh, in a state of alarm and fright, they thought they were seeing a ghost. And, you know, the apostles, they have this kind of unbelief about them. Jesus says, why are you so agitated? And why are these doubts rising in your hearts? You know, even Mary Magdalene didn't recognize the Lord on Easter morning and, you know, confuses Jesus for the gardener. The two disciples going to Emmaus didn't recognize the Lord as he walked among them. So what does the Lord do? How does he lead the disciples to recognize him? Well, firstly, he wants to convince them that this is a real presence. Christ is truly there. He's not, a, he's not a hallucination. He's not a ghost. That he rose again in his true body, that same body that was crucified. 
Even though Christ is now transfigured, it's still the same Jesus and his and still the same body. And Luke's so attentive to report the fact that Jesus showed the apostles his hands and his feet. That there's no doubting that it was the same body that hung upon the cross only days ago. And to dispel any doubt, the risen one does something that only a real body can do. They offered him a piece of grilled fish, he took it, and ate before them. Jesus isn't a spirit. He's not a hallucination. He's not appearing to them as some kind of ethereal presence. You know, it's, it's almost kind of comical, really, when you think about it. Here's this incredible moment between Christ and his disciples, and the apostles are dumbfounded, staggered, speechless. And Jesus seems to look around the room saying, Got anything to eat? It's the sort of matter-of-fact thing that your close friends might say when walking into your house. But each of these little details contribute to describe the true reality that the tomb is empty and Jesus Christ is in our midst. Luke really drills the fact that this was the same body which hung upon the cross for the salvation of the world. But that's not all. And at this point, the narrative turns into, you know, more of a teaching. Because while the apostles have this powerful encounter with the risen Lord, we're also being told that we can meet the risen Christ as well. Our Lord Jesus hasn't abandoned us. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there in their midst. And also, he says, I will be with you until the end of the world. Now, Jesus isn't with us in the same way that we might say a deceased loved one is with us. The way that we would remember a family member or, or, or talk about him. No, no, no. He's truly present. A living person. So how do we recognize him? How can we have the experience of his presence? Well, we hear in the gospel that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. It's through knowledge of the scriptures that we can recognize the Lord, the mystery of his death and resurrection. The scriptures put us into contact with Christ himself. And they're an invaluable source for knowing the identity of Jesus. He says to the disciples, So you see how it is written that the Christ would suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that in his name, repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You see, it's through the preaching of the church, the testimony of the apostles, that it opens up for us the possibility to experience the Lord's presence. So we've got here two sides of the same coin. The witness of the scriptures and the living testimony of the apostles that's present in the preaching and life of the church. It brings us to the second aspect, that Jesus is recognized in the breaking of the bread. That's what the two disciples on the way back from Emmaus report back to the disciples. That's when we saw him. That's when we recognized him. That's when we realized the presence of Christ in our midst. So here's the thing. The gospel presents us with the bodily reality of the resurrection. 
The disciples don't recognize him. They think he's a ghost. They think he's, you know, some kind of spooky reality. And yet Jesus points out his wounds, that the body that hung upon the cross, the body that was put to death, is in fact the very same body that's standing in front of them. And to drive it home, he actually eats in front of them. The Jesus who was dead is the Jesus who is now bodily raised from the dead and living at a new pitch of existence, a new reality which makes him hard to recognize, but it's him. Now, that's the aspect under which we don't encounter Jesus, because he's ascended to the right hand of the Father, right? But the things which permit the disciples to recognize the presence of Christ are still presented to us. The witness of the scriptures and preaching of the apostles and the breaking of the bread, the Eucharist. We can see then how important it is to front up to Mass. You know, all through this COVID time when, you know, we've had to stay home or miss Mass or whatever, um, you know, we've been limping along. There's, there's something deeply missing. You can't just live stream a Mass and pretend like it's the same thing. It's not. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there, says Jesus. Not just huddled around our devices, but truly present to us. Because at the Mass, we have the Scriptures broken open for us. At the Mass, we have the bread broken open for us. And it's in these two moments that we encounter the living Christ. Now, understandably, we do our best when we can't make it to Mass, you know, due to COVID or illness or infirmity or old age. And, you know, live streaming and podcasts and things like this, you know, they, they help. But what is it that the Lord has left us? In the celebration of the Mass, we have precisely that gathering of the two or three that brings forward the presence of Christ, that becomes an experience of the living Christ. We receive the apostolic witness of the resurrection and the sacramental presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. This picture that's painted for us in the Gospel, the apostles together with the disciples gathered together in a room with Jesus in their midst. That's for us today. That's the life of the church. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.